welcome to episode 10 of the Crossplay podcast. This is like our, what is that, a centennial? No, no, a centennial is 100, right? We're at our decade? So it's sure. a decade of, decade of Crossplay. <laughs> Decentennial, yeah, there we go. Uh, even though that applies to years and we have not been going for 10 years, unless we're releasing one of these every year, which, I don't know, might be nice. <laughs> Find the long game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it'll pay off eventually, we promise. Um, I am the senior editor at PlayStation Lifestyle, Chandler Wood. Cameron Teague, editor-in-chief, PlayStation Lifestyle. I am Jason Faulkner, senior editor, Game Revolution. I'm Paul Tamboro, executive editor of Game Revolution. And resident British guy. And resident British guy, the token, <laughs> token Britain. <laughs> I thought he was Australian. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna start things off a little bit differently this week. Uh, instead of jumping right into the news, we're actually gonna talk a little bit about what each of us are playing, so you can kind of get mm-hmm. to know uh, us, our preferences, and our weird quirks a little bit better. Um, what are you playing, Chandler? What are you playing? <laughs> oh, man. you always ask us first. What are you playing in particular? So uh, over this weekend, I actually finished up platinums on just a bunch of like indie games that I've had sitting on my. Uh, PS4 forever that are like, you know, boring collectible trophies away from from platinum. So I finally just busted those out in like a five hour period. Got three platinums. <laughs> God, really, you really you and you and Cameron love your uh, trophy hunting. I do. Why am I lumped in there? Because you said that like you before that you platinums. Had... Is that oh, that's a lot more than what I've got? I should imagine. I, I have 188 now. Oh. Uh, which I'm actually going for one more. So the other game that I'm kind of actively playing now, trying to get platinum on it, is Agents of Mayhem. Uh, oh lord! Yeah, not a fantastic game. Had a lot no. of potential, but but a lot of places just really dropped the ball. Um, but some, I, I say recent updates, but they were updates like at the end of last year. Uh, they made some of the like collectible trophies a little bit easier because you can actually track the collectibles and stuff so i thought eh, i'll just go back i'll get the platinum on that and i'll clear up 46 gigabytes of space off my hard drive wow it's like a job uh, some days yeah yeah <laughs> plucking on and getting the platinum in agents of mayhem you know uh, while we're while we're talking about what we're playing i also want to talk just just briefly about what we're watching uh this weekend went and saw two movies because yay movie pass right uh Uh, jurassic world fallen kingdom i thought was was, it was pretty good it was fun uh some dumb character choices in that but it's a it's a fun dinosaur movie uh hereditary hereditary holy shit is the most (laughs) one of the most fucked up movies i have ever seen in my life but it was so good oh it's really good i was in the slack this morning uh telling everybody that they should go and see i went to go and see uh saturday night and bloody hell god that's a whole that's that's yeah it's a whole thing yeah i'm a big horror fan and like it was not like a jump scare a minute or anything and it's um bloody hell that's that's one of the best horror films i've seen in a while it it takes so many unexpected twists and turns that you're just like they went there oh they went there oh yeah. they went there oh they mm. went there too it's yeah very good anyway a lot of people they, that's not my stance on it where i just want to talk to people about hereditary but then can't talk <laughs> about it for longer than like five minutes because you will definitely spoil it 
Um, so I guess while while we're talking about what you've seen this weekend as well, Paul, what are you currently watching and or playing? Uh, I'm watching nothing aside from Hereditary, which I watch, but I'm I'm uh, I'm firmly staying in my um, Mario Tennis Aces bubble, uh, which I fucking hated when I first started playing it because I was trying to play it like Virtua Tennis. And then realised that it's pretty much a fighting game, but with tennis rackets. It's a very odd little game. Uh, I feel like for the Switches, which I'm happy with, but I feel like for the Switches target audience, it might be it might be a little too complex for people to uh, to enjoy it. It sounds stupid because it's not like it's obviously not like chess or something, but it's um, it's got a lot, a lot of moving parts in that game. My dogs are uh, annoyed because my neighbors have come back. <laughs> all right, so uh, uh, Paul's all about the tennis. Take it, uh, taking a break there. <laughs> Cameron, <laughs> my dogs absolutely kick off. <laughs> Cameron, what are you playing? Uh, really not much. I finally beat Detroit uh, last night, and I think I'm. Think? I actually really liked it. Um, you know, it, it kind of amazed me just how much there is to each scene. Looking back and going, crap, man, I only completed 50% of this individual, I guess, chapter or scene or whatever they they title it as. And just seeing all the different story branches that I could have gone and come to find out that I am not like anybody else in the world. When I finish my chapter, it's like 19% of the world did what you did. I'm like, oh, yeah. only 19%? Yeah. Like, guess i was just mean and killed off everybody and just said f them well to be fair on that too you know sometimes you get to the end of a chapter and there's like six different endings so if it's an even spread across all of them you're looking at 17 percent for each one but i mean it still felt like no one liked me and i was very opposite from everybody else oh, yeah, but it yeah. wasn't that bad there are definitely uh, ones that are higher percentages too and then um, I guess if we're doing a watching thing, I finally buckled down and, and started One Piece, which I've been meaning to watch for years. So, that's hmm? a big. That's a big commitment. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw you like tweeting the, about the the old animation that's hard to get into. It uh, it's definitely. It's definitely a challenge. I mean, it's, you know, this was, I think, 1999 when this series started airing. So it's, it's takes a lot to get into. Which, uh, which is almost 20 years ago. 1999 was, right? Put that in perspective. It's scary. And I mean, it still looks good. Don't get me wrong. It still looks good. But there's some times that you're looking at, you're like, wow, yeah, this is old. Mm. Um, then I, I mean, I'm watching a whole bunch of anime. I go back and forth. One day I'm really into anime, and then I'll stop for like months, and then I'll just get back into it randomly. Yeah, I started watching that um, Megalo Box. Is it on Crunchyroll? Ooh, that's that's a good one. one. Yeah, the one with the boxer who's got the the, the gear on his back and just smacking people around. I've got up to like episode four. The issue is that I always put it on as I'm sleeping and then like <laughs> the subtitles just make me drift off. So then I end up just having to watch one episode like six times to, to, to get where I am. <laughs> All right, Jason, what are you uh, what are you watching and or playing? 
Uh, I played uh, all of Resident Evil 2 on Twitch this weekend, which was fun. I haven't played that game. Uh, it's one of my favorites, but man, it 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 is not aged well. Uh, I had to do uh do quite a bit to get it like uh viewable and HD um for the Twitch stream. But uh that's one reason I'm pumped for the remake because it's it's just a chore to go back and it's, uh it's everything but, that the original should have been or that they wanted it to yeah. be, but technical limitations kept it and, and unlike I guess uh a vocal minority of the fans. I am so glad to see uh, the the fixed camera angles and the tank controls gone. I think that holds the game back uh, so much because there were quite a few um, instances where it's like I'm I'm trying to fight a zombie and it's like the character could have seen it. The character is looking at the zombie, but the camera angle is like looking at the cam the character's face. So it's like uh, I can't even tell if I'm hitting hitting the enemy. Um, and it's like less claustrophobic, like horror feeling, and more like jank, terrible feeling. Um, but yeah, uh, that was fun. Um, as far as like modern games, I'm playing. Uh, I'm reviewing three of them right now uh slowly but surely um mario tennis aces uh i'm doing our review for that that'll probably be up today uh i'm with paul i think it's a little bit too uh uh full throttle maybe for uh yeah you know uh, previous games were not this hard you know they put a story mode in and it's like some of those levels you know even for an accomplished uh gamer i guess it it's like infuriating yeah <laughs> and yeah. The, the ai cheats <laughs> it just cheats so hard I've um, just, been, just been playing it online and um i don't know it's just it's it, the learning curve's just really 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 steep yeah it's uh it's definitely more complex um maybe to a detrimental uh level than mm. Yeah, I, um, uh, it's, it, oh, I haven't played a lot through the uh, through the single player campaign. It was just mainly the um, mainly the the online that I've been doing, and it was like that that just throws you in the deep end. There's a lot, it doesn't seem to be any kind of ranking system there. It's like you're a, you're a zero, and then you, you've got all your point system, and then you'll be thrown into the first match with like somebody who's got like three thousand points. <laughs> so there is no matchmaking there. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I like it. And at the same time, I absolutely cannot stand it. That's, that's yeah. kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah. I'm going to have to sit down and be like, you know, do you, do you really like this game, Jason? Or are thoughts. you just trying to convince yourself that you like this game? Yeah. Um, yeah. As far as watching, I discovered uh, Mama June from Not to Hot this weekend, um, which is just like maybe the trashiest TV show ever made uh but man it is magical how like i I want it to be scripted like it's that bad like these people (laughs) these people's interactions are are bad enough that i'm like this has to be like hopefully for civilization's sake (laughs) these interactions are scripted but then i'm like no this is probably real this is probably very lightly directed (laughs) but uh 
So we've had One Piece, uh, Hereditary, and <laughs> Mama June. <laughs> Love my Mama June. <laughs> All right. Uh, so moving into this week's news, um, wasn't wasn't a whole lot uh, that that came out. I mean, we're we're kind of getting back to a normal recording schedule after after E three. So we're also uh, at a shorter gap since the last time we recorded, but. Yeah. Um, the uh, the game director for Kingdom Hearts three uh, has basically said that it was announced too early, and on that note, uh, said the same thing about Final Fantasy seven remake, <laughs> which is just really funny since that's been a criticism of Square Enix for yeah. ages and ages and ages is is that they announce things too early and they're like, mm, yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> I'm glad he figured it out finally. <laughs> what did he actually say? What what was what what was his words about it? Um, man, now you're making me actually pull up the article. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, I I understand why some companies wait as long as possible, and I definitely think it's a good thing for them. But in our case, we receive pressure from fans even when we do not announce anything. They're always asking us, are you working on this? Or why don't you make a sequel for that? Even after the announcement, the situation does not change because they'll move on to asking us, when will it release? Or when will you show a new trailer? I yeah. I, I like... Oh, then he goes on to say, uh, I'm well aware of the fact that we announced it too early, uh, but keeping it under wraps would have proven difficult. So basically, they revealed it early oh. to avoid oh. leaks. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, I just... Were the fans really that tough on you that you had to announce it? And then if they were that tough on you, why did it take you so long to announce that you were doing it? Especially in the case of the remake. People have been asking for the remake since, what was that, 2006? Yeah. At the Sony conference where they showed the tech demo. Yeah. Why show a tech demo? So going back to that, right? Why show a tech demo of a highly demanded game? And go, wow, here's this near 10-year-old game, and here's what it could look like on the PS3. But we're not actually making it on the PS3. We just wanted to show you some cool graphic stuff. Yeah. That seems like the dumbest... You, you you could not get away with that now. Like, like if for the PS5, Square Enix came out and released a tech demo of Final Fantasy VIII on the PS5. And they were like, oh, but we're not releasing Final Fantasy VIII Remake. We just wanted to make a tech demo out of it. Yeah, they've done stuff like they've done stuff like this. Remember that thing that I did for the PS4? It was like the old man's head. I can't remember. It was like a wizard. It was like a tech demo that I did for the PS4. It was like showing the facial animations of the console. That was Quantic Dream, wasn't it? That made that. It was, yeah, and it was literally just an old man's head, like nothing attached to nothing attached to that whole no story or anything. And then there was still like. A hundred articles and tweets and Facebook posts about what could this old man be from? <laughs> so I mean, really, you can't Square do anything do it like... to themselves. Yeah, I, I mean what? they they did it all to themselves by releasing that tech demo. They just yeah. opened themselves up for, hey, you know, now you should do this, and then 
you know, I, I don't know what's taken them so long to develop, but it could be the 76 other games they're currently developing <laughs> within a one-man team. <laughs> what, what I like about the... Because that last part of the statement was about specifically about Final Fantasy VII. What I like about that is him saying that keeping it under wraps would be difficult. Has anybody heard anything more about Final Fantasy VII Remake since it was announced? Because it seems like they've kept it under wraps, even though we know that it's been made pretty well. I don't yeah, think... Under. Either wraps and uh, nothing to announce are two different things. Yeah. 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 Square is one of the the few uh, studios that actually can keep things from leaking. So it's kind of a a null and void point on his part. Yeah. Yeah. I understand why they like to come out the gates with it. I understand why they like to come out the gates with it and show off, like, you know, because obviously that made Sony's conference really good that, that one year when they had that and then Shenmue 3 and stuff. But I feel like now we're, we're absolutely getting to the uh, point of the um, of the backlash against announcements like that, where on the uh, flip side, E3 comes along and we don't really get any, any majorly surprising announcements anymore. They don't do that because they understand what happens when they do. If, if yeah. you're more than two years out, don't don't announce your game don't don't tell me it's coming don't don't give me uh you know like i'm i'm even annoyed at like elder scrolls 6 having been announced at at e3 uh i'm glad they didn't show anything on it and i'm glad they were very clear that like okay we're just basically saying that yes this is a thing that we're making now we're not going to show you anything until it's it's closer to release so that i that's a little bit more fine um, so you don't want him to pull a Del Toro, I think it was, at the Game Awards that announced his game that was coming out like five years later. I think that <laughs> was Del Toro. Uh, yeah, um, I can't remember what it was called now. I can't remember the name, but it was a couple of years back and he announced it, which had since been canceled. But I really they, remember. It was it a big didn't reveal. it have like his monsters and stuff in it yeah, as well? It, it, was, like, like, yeah. it was called Insane. Insane, yes. that's right. And then it got canceled. <laughs> which is not insane at all because if you announce something that's like announcing something at the conception stage like hey i'm uh i'm announcing this uh game that i'm making guys on this podcast right now i have nothing for it i have uh i have uh, an idea in my mind but it's gonna come out eventually so get hype yeah <laughs> people do though I mean in Del Toro's defense he probably didn't really understand exactly how like rabbit of the mouth people get over video games <laughs> he probably just thought oh this yeah. will be a fun thing to, to just bring up and then suddenly everybody's just on fucking uh, Neo Gaff losing the shit <laughs> but, um, real tough crowd yeah, <laughs> yeah. so but, we were uh, oh yeah, go ahead no no I can't remember what I was going to say Oh, we were we were talking uh, Bethesda uh, a yeah. little bit, and um, speaking of Elder Scrolls Six, uh, single player is still a priority at Bethesda, and that's actually why they announced Elder Scrolls Six was uh, to say, you know, after coming out with the the all online Fallout seventy six, they're like, oh, but we're still making single player games. Elder Scrolls Six is coming. What yeah. I what I don't like about that is that they had to make a statement about it after the fact instead of using the Elder Scrolls 6 announcement to say Elder Scrolls 6 is coming and it's single player within the announcement itself because that – I mean from, from what we saw sense. in E3, it could have been – Elder Scrolls 6 could be all online. It could be like we have no idea. So they I should have used the stage. I don't even think about it being online. It's – 
I think it's weird they had to make this statement after just last year they made like a whole video lampooning EA or whatever, saying that single player games were dead or whatever. Hashtag uh, save player one. Yeah. And yeah, then, that was it. And then their next big game is a uh, online multiplayer. And then yeah. they have to once again reiterate that they care about single player games. Hmm. I can understand why they've uh, why they've done it with Fallout seventy six in particular though, because like if you're going to make a Fallout five now, you're probably going to have to make an entirely new engine. And um, it, it, I, I've read somewhere somebody posted on Twitter like a, an insider. I know you hate insiders, Jason, but <laughs> I oh. just saw somebody put an insider post something that was basically just like you know, if it was uh, it's either Fallout seventy six or you basically just don't get another Fallout. Um, for like a long time uh, in terms of a single player for like so I understand why they go more player with that but um, but yeah I, like there is that worry that people are going to taste that they're going to taste like what they can get out of moving their IP over to multiplayer and then they're suddenly going to pull a new A and just be like yeah everything everything is multiplayer from here on out and also here are these Elder Scrolls loot boxes that you can open well, they were the first ones who did it with with uh, microtransactions, weren't they? With the horse armor, they were one of the very, very first ones. They well, were oblivion, yeah, yeah. That was like still when it was scurrying the line. Like this is DLC. That was like before microtransaction was even like a a subject yeah. <laughs> in the industry. I was when, in the heady days when that was still in just in mobile games. Yeah, and when like Halo Two, like released map packs, and everybody lost their shit. Just like, well, this should all be in the game. What? Why are we having to pay like fifteen dollars for more maps? And now you paid fifteen dollars for the new gun skin for <laughs> some random shooter character. Let's let's take that argument even further and say, uh, oh, you guys made a sequel to this game. Why wasn't it part of the first game? Why wasn't yeah. it included as a free update? I mean, you guys were intending on making it anyway, right? Let's just wait 30 years and get the entire series in one disc. Come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All I know is if Bethesda, you know, turn, turns their back on single-player games, I want a personal apology from Linda Carter. <laughs> I want her to come on stage and say, I'm sorry. I I'm sorry say, I lied to you. Come knock on your door. I'm like, listen. Yeah. yeah, I would like it that personal, but I'm not expecting it. Yeah. She turns up with a fruit basket. <laughs> that that would ease the blow, I guess, the fruit basket. Uh, so, so do you think a fruit basket is enough for Warner Brothers to ease the blow over completely ripping off uh, a Fallout Shelter? <laughs> What's the Westworld game? I haven't downloaded it. I've, I've briefly read this story. Have is it you, that similar? Have you played Fallout Shelter? <laughs> yeah, is it Fallout? So it is just the same. Then. So, so the uh, Bethesda contracted a third-party company to make Fallout Shelter, basically. Right. Um, I I can't remember the the name of this little studio now, but uh, behavior wasn't it? Yes, yes, behavior. Yeah. Um, Warner Brothers then contracted behavior to make the Westworld game, which a lot of people uh, noted was very similar to mm. Fallout Shelter. Due to some of the same bugs, identical bugs present in the Westworld game that were present in early iterations of Fallout Shelter, they have now determined that not only is it just a blatant ripoff of the concept, but that 
uh, Warner Brothers actually got behavior, whether it was like Warner Brothers maliciously trying to do this or whether behavior was just doing this on their own to make it simpler, whatever, yeah. uh, they used the same code that they used to make Fallout Shelter to make okay. the Westworld game. Oh, uh, yeah. You can understand that lawsuit then. Which is, the, yeah. The, the, the irony, too, is that it's a a bug in a Bethesda game <laughs> that yeah. revealed everything. Yeah. <laughs> you can understand that then, because th- there's obviously a load of lawsuits that are swimming around now, the industry, and a lot of them, it's it just feels like people are complaining that genre staples are making their way into other games, like the Pub- PUBG and Fortnite lawsuit. Like, it was basically a lot of the stuff that was in there was just related to Battle Royale games, which PUBG didn't establish. It was like a definitive version of what a Battle Royale games like is now, but um, it definitely didn't establish that. But if, uh, if they've just copied an entire game and they've just slapped the Westworld sticker on it, then, uh, then yeah, I can, I can see why, 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 they're, why they're suing. Which, I mean, it's, it's sad for, for Warner Brothers, um, because especially like this year at E3, I noted that Warner Brothers didn't really have a lot to show. Like Rock That's City true. didn't show up no. uh, at their booth. All they had was Hitman 2 and Lego DC supervillains. Oof. Um, which was like, usually they've got three games to show at E3, uh, each year. Um, Hitman 2 was, was good, but it was also kind of like, okay, well it's, it's Hitman and then Lego game is, is a Lego game. So yeah, Warner Brothers kind of this year, uh, they, as far as I know, don't have anything on the slate that's announced. That's like really big things. And then you look at this, this lawsuit too. Uh, so Rocksteady better come and save them soon. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Rocksteady was rumored to be there, and then they just didn't show, did they? Did they, they not like, show up at all? Yeah, they didn't show up at all, and uh, they issued an apology afterwards on, on Twitter. You know, we apologize to our fans who expected us to be there, show something. We promise we're still working on it, and we'll announce it when, when we're ready or whatever. Yeah, it's weird to do it after the fact. Probably should have got in there sooner so people wasn't expecting Batman Arkham 5 or whatever it is now, or <laughs> Super, Superman whatever. Superman Arkham. Arkham. Yeah, Superman Arkham, yeah. Arkham Man of Steel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... Uh, Warner Brothers is kind of in a, in a weird place right now. Uh, I mean, Hitman 2 will be fun, it'll be good. Lego games are always going to do well and yeah. just be Lego games, but people have been like disliking Warner Brothers for a long time as well. With like their business practices, you always see different controversies popping up about them, like with the shadow of that was yeah, all of that and various things. So you think they might have wanted to come out with something something big, but I guess if you got nothing to show, you got nothing to show. But they're a pretty big publisher. I'm surprised they had like nothing. Yeah, I ironically just talked about uh, games being announced too early, so we're all sitting here going like, come on, Rocksteady, but if they're <laughs> yeah. not ready to show it, then don't show it. Just have Batman swinging on a ledge and then, you know, stocks go up, don't they? That's how that works. That's how the stock market works, I think. You just show a picture of Batman <laughs> and then your stocks go up. I, I, I think so. Yeah, I think that's fact. 
<laughs> um, well, a good way to not make your stocks go up. Actually, I have no idea how this news impacted Microsoft stocks, but uh, yes. Microsoft is no longer working on Xbox VR nope. despite having uh, announced it as as like the One X being VR compatible and supported and stuff. It's the smartest decision they could have made, I think, at this point. VR um, has not taken off. I'm stunned by this news. <laughs> Considering gonna, the, the, the HoloLens has been under development for my entire adult life. <laughs> I mean, they just, they're not going to get there for this generation. Yeah. What is actually happening with the HoloLens? I, I, I don't know. I've heard like... Um, oh, it's amazing. You, you never believe it's like you put screens and, you know, anywhere you want and blah, blah, blah. But I haven't seen it, you know. Uh, yeah. I think dev kits are available for like a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah. But I don't think there's been any definitive uh, plan with it. No. Like for release or like what platforms it's going to support. Uh I think it's it's slowly turning into vaporware. Yeah. It's a weird sell, though, isn't it? It's like you've got this AR headset that's like a lot of it was managing your daily life and stuff, but then obviously you can't take it out of your house, so it's not that useful. But then if you make an AR headset that you can take out of the house, you've made Google Glass, and then you just yeah. walk and around just looking like it. a bit of a twat. <laughs> So, I, I can't see that really until yeah. they make something that looks stylish in that regard I don't I can't see that whole thing taking off but there was that whole rumor that Microsoft were going to have like an Oculus sponsorship uh, and and because uh, I think the Xbox controller launched with the Rift did it not yeah, yeah I did yeah and then people were saying well you know uh, Oculus might partner with Microsoft for a uh, for an Xbox One headset, but then VR just hasn't taken off as much. It's so surprising when you look at it. I mean, like we 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 would all have like a good insight to this because of just the traffic that VR articles generate is nothing. Nobody's searching. Even like the top, like the most popular VR games, nobody's searching for them. It's just it's it's dead in the water at this point, I think. And I think Microsoft yeah. just dropping it is the best idea they could have they could have had right now. Yeah, I don't I even think... know what uh Oculus Rift is doing either. They made the first one, the first consumer version, and then yeah. we haven't really heard anything about a I don't know, higher end Oculus Rift uh for a while. They were working on like wireless, you know, and uh outside yeah. tracking you know integrated tracking in the headset and then they release like the little cheap ones for the cell phones and that's that's been it uh yeah vive at least has the vive pro coming out but that's still not a legit second generation so well, it's like so at, at the same time though when when we're looking at it we're looking at uh that's been what three total years since oculus and, and vive even came out so if you're looking at them as a as a platform it's actually not that long of a time uh on on those game or on those uh on those platforms to have been out and if you want to release a whole new platform you want to release something that has 
uh, meaningful advancements within the platform. So if you're going to come out with a Rift 2 or a Vive 2 or, or PSVR 2, uh, it needs to be worthy of that that number on the, the other end of it or for people to, to reinvest a lot of money into that. I don't think VR is dead in the water, but I do think it's in a holding pattern. Mm. I think it... it, it uh, I want to say it's doing better than people expected it to do. Uh, not doing amazing, but... I would like, say that for the PSVR, but I don't think I'd say that for the Vive and Rift. Okay, yeah. I think see, the PSVR has done better than people PSVR's probably expected. focus my attention. I, I don't even know what, what Rift and Vive are doing, which is surprising when I... Not much. I, yeah. <laughs> when yeah. I hear about, like, uh, um, that PSVR is is selling better than either of those. I'm like, wow, that's that's really cool. And then they recently think, lowered the price. And wasn't it with the PSVR? It sold below Sony's expectations, but more than most people's expectations. Wasn't that the thing? Or did I think it sell? They've hit more than they're at more than two million units sold right, at this okay. point. Yeah, which is for for a peripheral of a console. So you have to own the console first, yeah. and then you have to pay an extra, you know few hundred dollars to get a vr um that's pretty impressive yeah and then i i know people like one of my my dm of my D group uh just bought a psvr this last week with the days of play sale that went on so it's it's still a thing that sony is pushing and that they're trying to put out there and and they're supporting it but i understand why microsoft stepped back because if they're going to put out a VR headset for like the Xbox One X or or whatever now, their yeah. next gen Xbox is coming in the next two years. Yeah, next two or three years, and and you put it out at the end of the generation, it's it's just a weird time. So if they're focusing on VR, they're going to launch it with the next Xbox. VR is just such a tough sell in general. It's. It, the whole thing as it stands right now is, I think particularly the PSVR, it, it, it's a mess. Like, I've got my PSVR now. It's got its external processor. It's got, like, eight wires <laughs> running to and from that processor into my TV. The times when I've tried to play my PSVR and I genuinely can't figure out how to get it to work. Just if you if you unplug that system from your PS4, maybe it's me being an idiot, but if you unplug that from your PS4 and then try to plug it in again, you have to bring up a YouTube tutorial <laughs> to find out how to plug it in. Mm-hmm. And then, so if people come round to mine and say about playing the PSVR, nine times out of ten, I'll just turn around and just flat out refuse to set it up. I went round to a friend's house and I played on the Rift for like the second time ever outside of going to a convention when it was on before it had launched. Uh, I played the Rift and he had brought it out so that there was enough room. He'd brought it into the living room of his apartment and had set up the little uh, eyeballs that can track you, whatever, whatever it is, the little cameras. And then the wires are coming out of his PC and then you've got to move all that round. And then you play it for 20 minutes and you're done. And that's like half an hour of setup just to move it around. I think the only way that VR is going to break through is when it starts getting a lot more user-friendly. I don't, even the quality of the of the PSVR and the Rift and stuff, like I can't really see that making grand leaps without it being incredibly overpriced right now. I just think the whole layout of setting that up and making it convenient 
I think that's the next thing. I think if they released a VR headset that was more convenient than those, then I'd be a lot more interested. Um, but right now, it seems like that, and then also the natural uh, restriction of movement in games is in VR games is like the things that are that are holding it back. Yeah, I totally agree. I think until you can just put it on and it works, I don't think it's going to be widely adopted by the public. I mean, there's, especially with the Vive, uh, you almost need a dedicated room that just Mm -hmm. has a lot of open space, and then you've got a cord. Um, I don't know. I I just, uh, I have the Oculus and the PSVR, and I'm like you. I can't be, even when I I get the... the desire to play it, it's like usually um, the desire not to have to plug in a bunch of cords and oh, you know, uh, hope that the Oculus doesn't destroy my USB drivers and <laughs> uh, things like that. You know, I'm just like, I, I, I can't be bothered. There's no the, convenient uh, place to put them just to just put the headset somewhere. I knew it was bad when I'm trying to shove the PSVR into a shelf of like my three tiered like TV glass stand and just can't fit it in there. So then I'm genuinely looking for mannequin heads to put it on just for somewhere to have it where, where it won't get kicked or something. And at that point I was like, this isn't going to work. I've got a charge and display stand that charges my, it charges one controller, two move controllers, and then holds the headset on top of it. It's got a really small footprint. So it actually fits in uh, right behind my TV on the the shelf, my TV sitting on. Um, that sounds interesting. How big would that have to be though? Because the headset's big. The PSVR is bigger than the Rift. Yeah. Um, I mean, my, my TV sits kicked out from the wall. Uh, yeah. foot or so uh, but I just keep my my PS4 and my PSVR and everything behind my TV um, and it, it makes for a nice setup and I can leave everything plugged in and then that way when I want to play PSVR I just pull it off the stand throw it on my head and it's good to go uh, so I I'm going to I'm I'm know... have to buy this charger before Dreams <laughs> releases I think yeah it's the, it's the Power A uh, charge and display stand uh, and it's it's nice to keep my move controllers always charged to keep my my headset just right there uh easy to get to and it's like i said pretty small footprint um i'm gonna email power eye before this episode airs to see if they can sponsor us and <laughs> also if they could possibly send me a free one <laughs> well i i uh yeah we'll we'll talk <laughs> um yeah, I, it's it's interesting. So, I mean, at least PSVR is still going and VR is still, like I said, I think it's more in a holding pattern as opposed to Friday the 13th, which is not going at all. No, it's the opposite of going. What a weird situation that is for that game. It has, because it it's the license, isn't it? It's the, um, it's the, I'm reading here, the, uh, uh, Victor Miller, the screenwriter for the original Friday the 13th movie, is attempting to reclaim ownership of the IP by sides in the United States' 1976 Copyright Act. So then the screenwriter's in a dispute with uh, who, whoever publishes Friday the 13th, I guess. 
And then so that just means that no content can be included, it can be updated. <laughs> I never played Friday the 13th. Is it, I don't know. I heard it was good. That that game is weirdly popular. Like when yeah. we post articles about that game, people flocked to them. They loved updates about it. They loved and I was like, what? what even is this game? What do people love about it? Why do so many people love it? You know, it's not just like a really small following. It's a fairly large following there. Mm -hmm. Um, It's got a right audience and it's weird because it just seems like a less competent Dead by Daylight for all intents and purposes. (laughs) Dead by Daylight seems like an actually as balanced as an asymmetrical multiplayer game of that style could be. But then Friday the 13th just seems like it just throws everything at the wall. Well, and and with this new lawsuit, apparently they can't even create new original content for it at all. So they can't pull from the the Friday the Thirteenth movies and series and and content there. They can't release. They, they uh, I believe the quote was, "We can't even make a new rock or tree and put it on a map." Jeez. I'm looking forward to Friday the Fourteenth, where. Uh... <laughs> Clayton Mornies <laughs> comes out <laughs> in his uh, in his boxing helmet and goes and starts killing people. <laughs> I think that would be uh, Saturday the fourteenth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Has it ever happened before where there's just been a copyright dispute that's just stopped stopped a game that's out from producing anything else? Uh, there's there's been some that were pulled from shelves, but I haven't heard of one like an active. Uh, multiplayer game that was caught up in something like this. I mean, yeah, because you'd think with something like Friday the Thirteenth that they would have gotten all the the rights in place and the, that everything would have been squared away long before you start doing this kind of stuff. I mean, this is like George Lucas suing Battlefront Two for <laughs> I don't know. It's, yeah, it's just a yeah. weird comparison that there there really is no comparison to it because it's unprecedented. So strange. She's got a really active community as well, and then um, the, the game will just stay like like uh, the servers online and everything, won't they? But then uh, just yeah, no new they content. Can still maintain the servers and the online service. It, it's they they don't need to like pull the game or anything. They just can't make any new content for it at this point. Yeah, I think the, a similar thing happened with the Deadpool game, if I remember right. Well, I have no idea. I can't barely remember the Deadpool. I game. think they. Uh, Activision had the Marvel license, and then um, they lost it, so you couldn't buy Deadpool for a while, and then it came back, and then it went away again. Right. (laughs) I believe the same thing happened with, like, Ultimate Alliance or something. Yeah. Yeah, there were some weird rights issues with who the publishers were, and so... Is that why Ultimate Alliance is so rare to to buy? Yeah. Yeah, because of Marvel's rights issues, so... I guess it's not totally unprecedented. There is some. Mm, it happened it's just weird that it's Friday the 13th that's experiencing it now. Yeah. <laughs> I've tried to buy Ultimate Alliance 2 a whole bunch of times, but it's like, it's like gold dust in, a, in the UK. You cannot, you cannot buy that game for anything less than an obscene amount of money. <laughs> Last time I checked anyway. I've never played it. it just it, the, the whole idea that it was so rare just made me want to play it. It's a it's a great game. I platinumed it back on PS3. It's oh, fantastic. Gosh. It's one of my 188. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do when you reach your 200? 
celebrate. I might I might Twitch stream that. Maybe I'll Twitch stream going for my two hundred platinum. I was expecting a more like sarcastic response, like you get the champagne out. That was a very, very reasonable response to, <laughs> to reaching two hundred. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll do both champagne on Twitch. Yeah, yeah. hey, that's good. I like that. uh, <clears throat> so anyway, speaking of, uh, you're talking about the the diehard fans of Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, Waluigi apparently has some pretty diehard fans too. Waluigi has big, big fans. I uh, I wrote this article on GR. It's about essentially Waluigi's fans, which who knew, right? <laughs> who knew that they existed? They've been tweeting the um, Smash Brothers, Smash Bros. Ultimates uh, creator and the creator of the Smash Bros. series, basically just really inappropriate content uh, to harass him into releasing Waluigi as a playable character in Smash. This is this goes in with my theory that meme should be banned <laughs> because this, this started off as a meme and has now just descended into this developer just getting hassled every day on Twitter about including objectively the worst Nintendo character ever created. So, uh, so can I just on on that? Yes, worst ever created, and mm-hmm. so lazy because like Wario is is like evil Mario effectively, and it's it's yeah. an inverse of Mario's colors, uh, his color scheme, and then Wario is the M from Mario upside down as a W. Yeah, yeah, and then super lazily you're like, well, I guess we have to do the same thing with Luigi. So, uh, Wario. Waluigi, look what? Just—he's got he's no discernible personality traits of his own. And I think I'm not saying it like, uh, like to be contrary and saying that he's the worst Mario character because I mean, there's hardly any like breakthrough personalities in Mario. It's just that he's so irritating as a character. He's one of the top tier Mario Tennis Aces characters. Like, he's, he's a really good character to use in the game because he's got quite a lot of range. So I started playing as him and I had to stop. He's so irritating as a character. I'm glad that he's not... Yeah, it's not good. I'm glad he's not going to be a character in Smash because obviously people would pick him a lot online and it would probably prevent me from playing it. I can't I can't stomach him. He's, he's not one of the good boys. Uh, I think it's just another case of like something's a meme and it's like ironically liked and then more people pick it up and they think they actually like it and then Mm -hmm. just harass en masse whoever made it. It's like this has happened hundreds of times. Um, Sonic. Sonic experiences that a lot. Yeah, Yeah. Sonic and like the the weird weird fetish porn that everybody... Sonic and yeah... Yes, it's like Sonic. where he's got his shoes off and I was just there's some weird <laughs> he went down there. he there's went down a dark hole for like your own mind there and it'll just be like some <laughs> random person on my twitter feed like I've I've never fo- I don't remember following them I don't ever recall who they are but you know I'll be scrolling and that it's like Sonic with his shoes off and there's his toes spread and I'm just <laughs> um, it makes me hate the internet so bad. It makes me hate oh, everyone. Follow, but <laughs> I just no nah, block, block and mute instant. Yeah, if you yeah. post Sonic foot fetish porn, block and mute. 
even ironically. <laughs> I don't care if if you're the nicest person ever. If the Pope, for some reason, you know, posted Sonic foot fetish porn, fucking mute. Right, right, right in the Pope off. Maybe Catholicism great, entirely. The great, <laughs> the great thing about this sentence is that I don't need to ask anybody what the title of this podcast is going to be. <laughs> If the Pope tweets Sonic Fetch Porn, <laughs> block and mute immediately. Excellent. Uh, and I can no. only imagine what kind of stuff they're sending uh, Sakurai. It's oh, just, it's bad. so bad. Like, and then when you when you get into the whole Nintendo, uh, the the people that are hacking Nintendo to make porn as their user yeah. images, which is then being put into Mario Odyssey's online portion. Like yeah, that's that's that kind that's, of crap doesn't happen on PS4 and Xbox One a lot. So why is Nintendo subject to all of just this this awful like meme? The, these people that are just pursuing just this gross, awful side. Of, like, don't get me wrong. Online on on PS4 and Xbox One is not perfect, and there are there's a lot of vitriol and a lot of negativity and and not a great place uh or not a great thing on that side of things too but for some reason nintendo just sticks out as like these peaks it's like it's a combination of things isn't it it's like nintendo's online infrastructure is always shit so it's easy to kind of get in there with it but then also it's like edgelord humor isn't it where nintendo has an active like community of children uh so people are like well it'll be edgy if we do this to this inherently like childlike game this game that's uh, appeals to kids this wouldn't it be funny if there was like porn here now it's it's like 14 year olds humor it manifested in the minds of 20 something year olds with far too much time on their hands and a really shit sense of humor Um, what it it comes down to is it's like if you break down that situation, it's adults wanting to show porn to kids, which yeah. is just a whole nother level of messed up. That's not trolling. Yeah. It's no. like you're you're in another area at that point, and that's what these people want. They want to subvert everything they can touch because they mm-hmm. think it's uh, it's funny. I don't even think they think it's funny. I think they think that other people find it funny, so they have to do it to be accepted by whatever little twisted community they're a part of and yeah. that's why people hate gamers that's uh <laughs> yeah you know i yeah. i uh, i i don't like to buy into that whole uh gamers are dead mentality but it's like and it seems like an increasing amount of uh the vocal gaming community not you know your regular everyday gamer but people who want to talk on mm. the internet are part of that that edgelord like let's put porn in a mario game ha 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 yeah sub crowd you know well, and it you were reading the the comments paul on my uh yeah well, on my cross play you know why sony should do cross play and why it's a big win for everybody i write 1800 words hmm. with convincing arguments to say why it's a, a good thing for sony to do this and why i i firmly believe that it would actually Increased sales for PS4 and going into PS5 would be a better thing because they wouldn't seem mm. so egotistical. And 
how it takes away one of the barriers of entry where if somebody was going to buy a Switch because they want to play Fortnite on Switch with their brother, they can now buy a PS4 instead. You know, just just all these really good arguments for why it's a good decision. And then 200 comments of just elitists saying, no, I, I don't want those people on my PS4. It's just the, the online mentality of... of I, I yeah. want to say entitlement, but that's not even entitlement anymore. No. And it's that's... odd brand allegiance. I will never understand how, like, just brand allegiance in general. It, these are companies that don't give a shit about, like, Sony isn't sitting there thinking about, like, Dark Gamer 69, thinking about, like, how they're affecting him. Uh, they don't give a shit. You know, just enjoy what you enjoy and stop fucking complaining on the internet in comment <laughs> sections about it if somebody else is uh, into something different. Yeah, I mean, and that's... I see uh, I see a lot of sentiment, like, um, from, I guess, nor- the normal gamer or, you know, part of that kind of that annoying bad crowd... That, uh, why don't why don't games journalists represent my my point of view? And it's like well, all you guys do is go into the comment section and take a shit on all of us. Mm. It's like if you gave some positive feedback, maybe you know. It's like if all you say is uh, "you're wrong" and I wish you would die, then yeah. I don't have much to go on when it comes to representing your interests. I don't mm. know what they are other than you you want me to die and you think I'm wrong. So yeah. it's a, uh, and that's, that's, that's pretty much every one of our articles at this point. You know, we, yeah. we, we get a few good comments and then like, like Chan Chandler said, you know, we'll get 40 that say, uh, they wish we weren't running the site mm. and that, that we die in a fire. Basically. Yeah, it's, actually, it's actually gotten to the point where I actually have a little panic attack when we have two positive comments in a row. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. When when you get positive comments, it's so nice. The thing is, I, I'm since I've started writing, I am thoroughly used to my opinions always going against the grain of what the like vocal minority will say in comment sections. I have not got a comment section. I have not got comment section approved opinions. I'm firmly aware of this, so I don't mind it really just because I'm used to it, but it'd be so nice to be able to reach out to like a community of commenters that were like, that, that not agreed with you, but you could even have like a friendly debate with. You could, we've just introduced a new series to GR called Hot Takes Friday, uh, where we're just giving them popular opinion on gaming. And it's so weird how like, framing it as an unpopular opinion has like brought about people who disagree with me but actually like good comments <laughs> like it, but like nine times out of ten if you're writing an article with an opinion that people don't agree with people take it as like a personal like slight on them but i don't know what opinion you've got when i start writing an article like you know this is my opinion I'm going to lean into that. Yes, every opinion I have is a personal slight against all of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. lean into it. Just lean hard right into that. Yeah. That take That's what happens offense. when you give unity a 10 out of 10. 
That's that's right. <laughs> the review that will never die. <laughs> no, look, it is like it's it's stressful that you know you. I know there are obviously people that that you know do appreciate our articles, and we've got like a few comments. But as the internet just gets more like vitriolic, um, online communities are now basically just made up of people who are keen to shit on you um because all the actual reason discussion those people are just dropping off now because why would you linger around in a comment section when you know there's going to be some guy who's going to pop up afterwards to you know like get really personal with you or something so just where the internet is now i guess but it's not a not a great deal of fun no finding the best way to moderate all that to try and cultivate good discussion is is very difficult too but Mm. um so uh cameron you mentioned you just finished uh detroit this last weekend uh and i guess there are rumors and possibilities floating around of a detroit sequel um they they said something about that they'd be open to making it i think i I don't know what they would do with the sequel though unless um spoiler alert the mm. humans and androids switched places and the humans became the bitches and then yeah. they rose up and were like we're people too well, like, that, would, too. that would be weird that it would, really would god well, i can the, already smell the hot takes on something <laughs> like that jesus <laughs> the problem with that is uh with with an inherently story-based thing where i mean the the outcome of your detroit story not only impacts the character so like a sequel to to heavy rain might be uh, possible just because you could set it within the same universe and and it would be fine a sequel mm-hmm. to detroit doesn't make sense to me because then you have to pick a canonical ending because your ending not only impacts the characters but actually the state of the world and how how and whether androids are are recognized whether they're able to liberate themselves or not i mean like the the range of endings that you can get in detroit to me just doesn't say that there is any possibility for a sequel without like basically making a bunch of endings i have a i have a unique idea and maybe it'd be better as dlc than a sequel but you could you could do DLC where you're a different android in the middle of this entire Detroit game and you're seeing all this happen from a different point of view where you're maybe just a little nobody instead of one of the main androids leading everybody. You mm-hmm. know, you could take this story from different points of view, possibly. Yeah. That, take, it, sequel, take it out of Detroit and, yeah. you know, maybe see a the different whole city during the whole thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess um, I guess that would make sense for a sequel. You know, what happens next? You know, they've everything worked out the way. But then again, like you said, everybody gets a different ending. I mean, yeah. it's, it's it would be interesting, but I don't think it should be done at if all. The, if they did us that, like, I think to make to not detract from the first one, they'd have to really telltale it. And make it so that the like your actions in the first one impacted the start of the second one, but I don't think they could do that. Uh, there's With far as too many, many moving parts. There are, yeah. 
yeah, to to have something like that. So as a yeah, like Cameron said, I think you know having something set like outside of that is maybe a possibility. But at the same time, when you've played as the characters who are the main parts of that story, like it's it, it's been like accepted accepted that like Detroit's the start of that uprising. And then you've played as like the messianic, uh, like civil rights character who's like the main driving force behind it. Like I don't know whether it would be a selling point to players, just another face in the crowd. After that, um, I guess you could base it like a good few years afterwards. But I feel like if you go down that that road, if you start showing like that the robot uprising hasn't been entirely fantastic because it's like an allegory for racism it probably wouldn't be that great to suddenly like go all you know like showing that the the humans are uprising now that would probably be a bit weird i could imagine people would raise a few questions over that well and then then you have to retcon everything too like if if you do decide to do a course correction uh to to start the second game at like a unified point no matter which ending people got from the first game then the endings from the first game suddenly have less meaning it was it was one of my biggest problems with like telltale's walking dead season two i thought it was Mm. a very poignant and meaningful ending and then you get to season two and it's like oh thanks for taking my choices and the things i did in the first game and kind of tying everything up into this nice little knot for an even starting point for the second game yeah i'd also like i like the idea of even if i do really dislike some of quantum dreams games i I like the idea that they just release these self-contained things every now and again and i'm also kind of just hoping that they veer back into how like how goofy that they used to be i know they still are quite goofy but it's like quite um some of the goofy stuff in Detroit is quite like, uh, like just on the basis of it coming across as quite self-important. Whereas like stuff like Heavy Rain, where you know that if you ever watched that YouTube video of the chase scene, where the guy just gets every single button prompt wrong and ends up just falling through the supermarket, like <laughs> for like a ten-minute stretch of time with like chickens flying all over him and everything. <laughs> Like that kind of thing, I like in Quantic Dream games, which isn't really in Detroit. I'd like to see another Quantic Dream game where they kind of go that route again, rather than returning back to Detroit a second time. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to see a sequel. I think people are too demanding of sequels, and I'd prefer original. Yeah. original titles which uh speaking of, of original uh from software's uh Sekiro Shadows Die Twice uh you know kind of an unexpected everybody wanted Bloodborne 2 and then it's Sekiro which is another thing where I'm like okay you wanted Bloodborne 2 because it's a known quantity but allow them the creative freedom to make Sekiro which is not yeah. going to have online in it at all it is a fully single player game weird that that's it that's like a main pull of souls games well and again i think it's them pulling away from from that souls game mm. uh, mentality in that they're they're not a Soulsborne game this is a new venture i mean they're they're partnered with activision for it <laughs> yeah it, it it is a completely kind of departure for 
for them. It's still going to be tough, still have some of their staple things, but I think they allowed themselves a lot more freedom uh, to make the game that they wanted rather than being shoehorned into uh, making a, a Souls sequel or a Bloodborne 2. Is anybody majorly interested in this out of us? Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, is any, is any of you guys actually majorly interested in this? I'm not interested in it at no. all. I didn't like the look of it. Not particularly. I, I'm i not interested simply because I don't like games to be too hard. I have a limited <laughs> amount of time, so I want to just beat them and go yeah. on. I, I don't yeah. have time to be frustrated. Yeah. You know, I, I, think I, I can't it, wait for them to say it's single player only and there's no recording. I think it's going to happen. They're just really going to screw everybody. You're on your own with this. Yeah. I think um, that that it will attract an audience of people who is interested in the, the Souls games and like Bloodborne and stuff, but hasn't gotten fully into them because it, it is more linear um, than those games. It's not as difficult to figure out. It's got kind of a, a more linear progression. Uh, you know, the death mechanics aren't like you die, you have to go back and get your souls. You you die, you start back at a checkpoint. Um, mm. So it's kind of opening up that accessibility of the same type of really difficult strategic tactical combat uh, and, and tough, tough enemies to fight, but not so completely impacting your gameplay experience as to turn people off to it when you know they were like oh i played bloodborne for two hours i died i went back to the start of the game this game is horrible i don't know what i'm doing i'll never play it again <laughs> dark souls 3 kind of not not that dark souls 3 was easy dark souls 3 kind of opened it up a little bit there which is my favorite souls game uh it's the only one that i've got close to completing without giving up <laughs> because i usually just give up on them i, I ain't got time for to, to linger around with a with a game for god knows how many hours to to, uh, to do that but um, Dark Souls 3 kind of opened it up a little bit it's not exactly it's not accessible by any means but I don't know it's just it's a weird one because Feudal Japan is like a really interesting setting and I was really interested in it with Neo but then I think just so many games in the same setting kind of got released um, like are, are just coming up that like this is like to me overshadowed by like Ghosts of Tsushima uh, yeah I, I don't know I guess you could say that about like most games, though, that you get an oversaturation of a particular time period. Like you know, you'll get with war games. Suddenly, everybody's doing World War One. Then some. Suddenly, everybody's moving in, into uh, the near future. But I don't know. Just just quite disappointed that Bloodborne Two isn't uh, coming out. I know um, we all like new ideas and new IP and stuff, but I just I really like that whole Lovecraftian world, and I really would like to go back there. It's a shame that uh, that it's not being worked on, as far as we know. So, so how do you feel then about new ideas versus existing ideas when it's uh, when it's an IP based on like a like a franchise? How do you mean? Spider Man, for example. Yeah. Spider Man is a, it's an original IP in terms of. Uh, in terms of them making it on the PS4, it's not a Spider-Man 2, it's not anything like that, but Spider-Man is mm -hmm. not an original concept. No. 
No, but it's um, it's a different ball game though because you know I'm uh, I. It, it's 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 like more of it's a spiritual successor, really, isn't it, to the old Spider-Man games for all intents and purposes, for what it looks like. Certainly, um, yeah, and they're they're doing the, their own thing with it too, which I really appreciate. They were allowed some some creative freedoms. Uh, the the uh, uh, mocap actor for yeah, uh, I guess spoiler alert if you don't want to have it revealed who the spider-man who the very obvious uh spider-man villain is <laughs> yeah in the game uh that is coming up so mute for the next 15 seconds or so but yeah. reveals it's that it's, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go fucker now you have to listen to the rest of the podcast <laughs> but but you know like like it's, that is just such an obvious thing that they're trying to keep it this this big secret and this big mystery, and then it's like, oh, it's yeah, it's him. Okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. And and well, it was and, like they, they unveiled five of the Sinister Six, didn't they? So, like from the fact that they were saying about how it was so surprising, it did kind of have me thinking, oh, maybe that just is somebody else. Somebody mentioned, um, is it Mysterio? The the the, um, the guy with the fishbowl head. Yeah, yeah. That's but Mysterio, uh, isn't it? Another, like, just obvious choice. Like, those are just Spider-Man villains. Mr. Negative as, as one of the, um, uh, the villain that they, they had, um, mm in the initial marketing and everything is that was really interesting because he's not a villain that's explored all that often. And and actually this, this E3 trailer for Spider-Man was like, eh, okay. I mean, cool that they're coming back and then we get to see these, these well-known Spider-Man characters, but don't act like it's a huge surprise. And then a huge leak when the guy who's like, yeah, I played Doc Ock in, in the Spider-Man game. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Doc, Doc Ock's in it. Well, great when are we getting green goblin like we're, yeah we're gonna have a green goblin cameo or maybe the the end stinger or something is going to be green goblin coming to like it's spider-man yeah do you know one thing that like i've, I've literally just thought of this now what a lot of i'm all right with spider-man is all right it's, it's okay in my book is that is that peter spider-man but i'm so you know like with the arkham series all of the designs for the Batman, the rogues gallery of Batman villains, the designs were original. That like when you uh, were introduced to um, a new villain throughout that game, it was like, oh shit! Like God, they've made Joker or uh, Bane or Killer Croc or Harley Quinn look good. Uh, oh shit! Like Scarecrow looks completely different from as we know him. All of the villains that we've seen from Spider-Man, which I understand why they've done, that they look the same. Um, which just doesn't really make me that interested to see them in the game, I guess. Like, it's not that shocking to me that, that you know, oh, Doc Ock's here. Uh, whereas in, like, a, like a Rocksteady game, you'd be like, oh, I wonder what they've done with this design. It's just straight from the comic books, isn't it? What they've done with, with these characters. As far as I know. As far as I can tell. More, more or less. Maybe some, like, recolorations and stuff. Just just little minor things. But definitely not as drastic as, like, the, no. the Arkham series, like you were saying. Yeah, that just leaned really heavily into the gothic sort of things. And I understand because um, I think Batman naturally opens itself up to more creativity with its villains. 
uh, with their whole appearance. Like there are multiple different iterations of those villains and their designs. Whereas Spider-Man, there's there's definitely you know deviations from the comic formula, but um, it's far less varied than than Batman and stuff. But um, I don't know. It's just like uh, when I see Doc Ock, it's just going to be yeah. There's there's Doc Ock. <laughs> I was expecting that he's, he he is a villain in Spider Man. I mean, the chances are this is going to be like a twenty five hour game, so I should imagine that he'd show up eventually. <laughs> so, I can't <laughs> fill it with Spider Man taking salvage for civilians. Yeah, I mean, especially when you consider even if it hadn't leaked. Uh, seeing him would have just it wouldn't have been a oh doc ox in it moment it would have been a oh yeah yeah okay. yeah, yeah. That's, that's cool like like i i feel in some ways like maybe mr negative should have been the the secret reveal later on that that he shows up and it's this really interesting like oh wow they're going with this new interesting villain or keep yeah, the sinister six entirely out of the marketing in the first place and then have it be a surprise that with Mr. Negative being the marketing that the entire Sinister Six is in it. But when you go, the Sinister Six is in it, minus one, but guess who it is? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. What's cool. weird about that trailer is at the end, like, Sp- like, when the new villain shows up, like, Spider-Man's got, like, a whole yellow glow surrounding him. Like, that the villain showed up. What what the fuck is reflecting off of Duck? Is that like Duck Ock's breastplate that's reflected on Spider Man's face? Why is why is there such a yellow glow around him? Unless that's the one thing that threw me off. Unless we're all completely wrong and the mystery villain isn't actually Doc Ock. Like Doc Ock's in the game, but that mystery villain that they're teasing is not him. Maybe. Which is entirely possible too. I can't think of any other bright yellow villains. They've already got Electra in there, or whatever he's called. I don't know. It's, uh, I'm looking forward to the game. I'm just not interested in Spider-Man's villains. Yeah, yeah. Game game will be good. Uh, villain revealed. Yay. Uh, a lot of people are not looking forward to EA games, according to some some E3 statistics. What did the uh, what did what did the what did the statistics say? What what's the uh, what's the um, breakdown here? Let's see here. So it's just kind of uh, E3 media coverage and and uh, statistics on like just general interest in in various things that were shown at E3. Yeah. Um, so there was uh, there was a relative decrease in interest overall in E3 this year. Is what their What's statistics that? showed. Um, and uh, people are attributing that to the end of the the platform cycle, which is something I've been kind of yeah saying. I think I mentioned that last week too, where I thought that that for the next couple of years we're going to get yeah. some pretty lackluster announcements until we start seeing new gen consoles being announced and start moving into that direction. I wouldn't be surprised if E3 in general completely changes within the next few years. It's starting to look more and more pointless like a fan con (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's definitely the thing for it like the press conferences why just (laughs) well they they don't even call them press conferences anymore they they used to be called press conferences because they were conferences for the press to to get this this information and stuff now they're calling them showcases is that right and the thing is 
They must spend such a lot of money in setting those together. And I can't, I think the last time I can remember one of them seemingly having a positive impact was that Sony conference where they had Final Fantasy VII and Shenmue. But then that's kind of worked negatively over the years against them. They already do their own presentations. The console reveals. Uh, PS4 wasn't unveiled at E3, was it? That was its own specific no, it reveal, its wasn't it? Event in uh, the Xbox February was. That year. Yeah, so all of the hardware console that gets announced at its own thing. They do these elaborate E3 setups where the press is invited, but then the press that's actually there aren't the press that's actually covering what's happening. Of course. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we're so, sitting in the audience enjoying it, but I'm not the one writing up the news about no. it. Maybe I'll write an opinion piece later on about how annoyed I was at having to stand for the Last of Us trailer yeah. and shuffle through. <laughs> but then obviously, like, you know, we can see all of that. Like, it's interesting for, for whoever's there covering it, but in terms of, like, the actual reasoning behind it, you're essentially there to cheer at the right points <laughs> that's the, the like that's the thing that's missing in the nintendo directs they'll unveil a new thing but then there won't be anybody cheering because it's just set up but like i don't know it just seems like those conferences do more harm than good um people aren't as interested in it anymore because it's not as vital they've moved it to the public which annoys all the press but to me makes the most sense because that's what like that's what that essentially is now. It's a convention where they, the press is also loitering around. Show floor with uh, uh, press meeting rooms. Any of yeah. the, the the publishers uh, and PR and stuff that do appointments in meeting rooms, those are always great. So Activision has a separate meeting room set up for all of their their mm. appointments that you go and see, uh, and you get kind of private behind closed door stuff. But to have to mill around the show floor with the public. I mean, I don't, I don't want to sound like, oh, I have to mill around the show floor with the public. But I mean, I'm there, there to, to do, do a job. A job. Yeah, I've got things to do. I've got, I've got appointments to get to. I've got things to see, and I want to do that in the most efficient way possible. And that's just simply not possible with, with YouTubers and and public and everything taking selfies and filming yeah. themselves walking down the middle of the aisle. Yeah. Yeah. Covering smaller conventions is a nightmare on the basis of you're doing something while the public is go is knocking around and it just makes it more difficult to get somewhere. So I can't imagine something like E3 where they've just opened it to the public. It doesn't seem like they've got their security measures ironed out. I was reading an article recently about um, Hideo Kojima uh, outside the Cyberpunk oh, 2077 yeah. thing and apparently like... Um, just people were allowed to stand outside so they were just there while Kojima was trying to have a chat with Cyberpunk's uh, mm -hmm. director and then like they all swarmed him and security had to come and like grab Kojima out of the crowd and organize him shuffle him somewhere else or something yeah which then sucks because he doesn't get to sit and chat about game design or whatever with with yeah. uh, the Cyberpunk guy like those those meeting rooms and stuff should be off limits to the public there should be areas that are very specific to you know press press and industry gets to go in here but if you have one of those public gamer passes no don't go over here or mm. separate the halls have everybody have like maybe a little bit smaller booths but have a booth you know that's that's public side booths over in the south hall and and uh the press side 
booths, you know, a little yeah. bit more low key, less showy overall, but more meeting room style things over in the West Hall and don't let gamer pass people in there. I don't know what the perfect solution is, but I think uh, I think it's just go back to press only uh, as a counterpoint to Paul. I respectfully uh, disagree because every other uh, gaming conference on the planet that I know of, every major one, uh, allows the public. And I think, uh, like Paul mentioned Kojima, I think companies need a place where they can showcase material uh, with the assurance that everyone who is there is there working and isn't going to try and steal things or, uh, you know, go where they're not supposed to um, because there's that... You know, that's the unspoken thing. Like, I'm here to work, and I don't want to lose my job by doing yeah. something stupid. So I think one of the reasons uh, we actually might have seen less, uh, you know, stellar announcements this year is because now companies have to appease the public with their product. Like, mm. whereas before, you know, we all have the understanding what an alpha is, what a beta is, you know. We understand why textures might be missing in like a private showcase, but now companies have to show up to E3 and they have to have polished demos. They, you know, the whole, they've got a whole 10, 15,000, uh, people audience of, uh, the public who, who, who may know anywhere from a lot about games to nothing about games. So, yeah. uh, I feel like there's already that pressure at every other conference and i i think e3 was like the last bastion where um the press and uh you know uh, studios developers publishers could get together with the understanding that like hey we we all know what we're doing here let's show you know what's going to happen over the next year and uh you know you don't have to worry about people yeah stealing uh cyberpunk statues and selling them on ebay or yeah. uh you know mobbing uh famous famous developers i guess uh, it's the argument for it essentially being the gaming's equivalent of uh ces isn't it um where it's just industry people yeah. who are showing up i don't know i think i've just got um a different take on it purely because i feel like the industry is just moving away from something like e3 being a necessity um like a lot of the coverage it's it's just better to do remotely in the uh in the first place but i do understand obviously that there should be a place where um where you can just go and hold these previews but the fact of the matter is a lot of company a lot of companies now just you know they'll hold their own preview events that you just go and show up to i mean wasn't the like a sony one just or a Square Enix one just ahead of E3 uh, that people both, traveled out to? Both of them, but also like EA, technically EA Play is not actually part yeah. of E3. EA stepped away from, from E3. They still do it in the same general area because they know people are going to be in the area for E3 anyway. But it's yeah. not part of E3. It's their, EA is not on the show floor anymore. They're not with the, you know, they, they don't pay the ESA their their dues in terms of uh, being a part of of E3 at all, but I also think that that is damaging EA a little bit uh, because personally, to me, like 
we did have somebody go cover the EA stuff, but I had no desire myself to go offsite to go over to EA Play and go do all of that stuff to to check out just a few games that they could have easily shown off in a booth on the floor like they have past years. Mm. Uh, and that's they they said that coverage and and interest overall in in EA's stuff uh, declined this year, and I think a yeah. large part of that is them stepping away from e3 and trying to do their own thing and and uh, differentiate themselves and set themselves apart but then they they act like they want to set themselves apart and stand to the side but then they don't really have much to show over at their own whole event so why hold your own whole event why not yeah. combine it as part of this conference that's already a thing anyway yeah they can't really ride the ea or the e3 hype train when they're uh yeah kind of over in their own little their own little world yeah i'm wondering just how like relevant e3 is getting to the whole like discourse around games in general now um like you know whether it whether it actually matters because i think you know like i'll operate in my own bubble of obviously constantly knowing what's going on in the gaming industry but like a lot of people aren't going to pay attention in general and I think you know the most the most successful marketing for a game like happens like two months before release or whenever. So like you know, even having a poor showing at E3, it doesn't really matter. Um, I think the only time when it does matter is around new hardware launches. Um, I think lots of stuff like you know Microsoft's Xbox One E3 conference uh, after they revealed it. Uh, was like detrimental to it because they still didn't have a lot to show. Sony's worked really well in its favour. Um, but yeah, I don't really know. I don't really know how. I don't really know how uh, E3 can find a happy balance. But I do just generally think that interest in it in general is just gonna drop for a sustained period of time, especially now that the hardware announcements are made separate to it. Like, no, no doubt the Xbox, the next Xbox will be announced in a Microsoft event. And then the uh, same goes for the PS5. Yeah, I don't think it'll be unveiled that, at E3. Anybody that wants, uh, uh, you know, like this year, they're like, what, what's the best announcements at E3? Oh, I hope uh, Sony announces PS5. Like, no, PS5, mm-hmm. if, if Sony's not even going to announce, uh, uh, you know, consoles and stuff at like PSX, if yeah. they're going to hold their own entire conferences for it, they're not going to reveal their brand new console with the hubbub of everything else that's going on at E3. Yeah. yeah. When it comes down to it, I think uh, E3 was mostly for flag waving. So everybody could be like, you know, we're here uh, in addition to the whole preview thing. But uh, I know, mm-hmm. you know, we sent some people and they did a, did a bang up job, but mm-hmm. uh the majority of the traffic came from pumping them out remotely. So yeah. it's like uh, they can release news anywhere and we'll, mm-hmm. we'll pump it out and, you know, we'll get the hits. And I know everybody's like that. You know, yeah. we, we get our previews in and those, those do well. But, you know, the people sitting at home cranking out, you know, 120 articles in two days or something yeah, like that, the, two or three days, that's yeah. where the, the bread and butter is. Yeah. So it's actually becoming a better idea to send a small detachment to E3 and then mm-hmm. keep the bulk of your people turning out news. Mm. 
Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they could just not have a conference. They could literally just live stream whatever news they have. And, you know, uh, as far as the public and, you know, even even uh, the industry is concerned at this point. On the it, on- on the industry side, I do think it's good for uh, maintaining relationships. Uh, it's good to connect with with like PR people, connect mm-hmm. with those developers and everything. Because there's something about having having a face to face, having a one on one, putting yeah, faces true. to these people, um, and then getting hands on time with the game. I, I do think is is important as well, so that people can can talk about it from a place of experience as opposed to because it's it's not necessarily about that that one e3 preview but then about continued coverage of that game where like you know i've played blah game now so i have experience with it i have this this continued knowledge and experience and coverage that i can carry through until that game's release that i would not have had i not played it otherwise and there's only so much you can find out from viewing, uh, like just viewing a stream or something as well. So, like for instance, Anthem looks terrible on its showing. That was a really, really bad, uh, in my opinion, a really bad showing for Anthem. But Definitely. I've heard, like from the EA Play session, from the people who've gone and demoed it, I've heard actually that it plays really, really well, and the people who've demoed it are really interested in it. Um, I don't really know how far that takes. I'm not really sure, as Jason said, uh, in terms of the uh, in terms of games journalism in general. I'm not really sure how well previews do. Um, uh, I, I don't think it's a particular. It's not a popular. Uh, not a really a popular territory. Previews aren't. Um, but like just just having that knowledge of uh, of you know outside of what we can see at home is 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 beneficial and as you said like going out there and actually meeting industry people uh one-on-one and maintaining uh relationships with with the folks that are there that's obviously uh that's obviously beneficial but i just feel as as the as the whole industry is moving away from like dedicated offices and uh you know and moving more towards like remote coverage and less on-site coverage I think things like E3 are uh, are gonna like take take a hit really uh, for that. All right, so we've been going on uh, quite a while now. Uh, we'll wrap things up. We did ask for a few questions. We didn't uh, we get any. We we got a couple of replies on Twitter. I don't know that we're actually going uh-huh. to answer them, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, one said, will Sony ever come out and tell the crybabies to shut up and go play their stupid game? I'm sorry, go play They Are Stupid Game. <sighs> not not sure what that's referring to. I'm not sure What's what that? that's <laughs> referring to. Like, who are the crybabies and go play their, their stupid what, game? game? What stupid game? Are, are you referring to, like, Fortnite and Minecraft? Is this referring to crossplay? Is it... I, I really don't know. So, we're skipping over that one. The answer is uh, no. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to get my head around that. I do. I don't. I don't get it. Uh, let's just say yes. They will one day tell the crybabies to shut up and go play. They are stupid game. Yeah, uh, sure. Um, Should imagine that's top of their agenda. Uh, yeah, not sure what that's referring to. The second one was: I have two questions. Do you think Sony will give in to crossplay? Parentheses. I personally hope not. Yeah. Um, we we already I feel like thoroughly covered that side of things, so we firmly disagree with you on that one. 
Yeah. Um, and then the second question is, and do you think Sony will ever change their mind on EA access and have that come to the PS4? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> Thanks for your questions. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really, I really don't. I think EA access is, uh, that, that's like, that's like, uh, instead of having like Spotify or something, some individual artist was like, Hey, you can listen to my albums on this specific platform service. Like Sony's got PlayStation now and they're working to build up a potential membership streaming library stuff. They're not going to have that compete with a, with, with EA access. It's just not going to happen. I didn't even realize that it wasn't on uh, PS4. I've lost track completely of, uh, of um bloody uh, what what is and isn't on both consoles um do do i think it it should be that they should open up to that sure they should give give gamers the option for it just like crossplay i think they should but if they're not budging on stump something like crossplay you know it's unlikely we're going to see them budge on something like ea access and it's it's weird that people want ea access but they don't Period. want crossplay with with uh, other games, yeah, it's yeah. I just I don't canceled get my subscription. That... <laughs> it's. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I'm not even sure. Like, what EA Access gives you a couple, like a week early, free on each game, and then not like... even on uh, Xbox. EA Access doesn't the uh, the new Origin Access Premier will oh, give God. you uh, day one access to like battlefield five and stuff but then you've got to pay like an extra five dollars a month so it's fifteen dollars a month and for pc only so if if you're on xbox with ea uh, ea access i don't think they've even announced like any kind of uh early access for titles and then you have to use origin yeah and then you have to use origin <laughs> i don't even have a problem with origin i just i just complain about everything that isn't steam steam's not perfect but i, I i've got it up all the time <laughs> i don't want to click on something else the only thing that i draw the line at is you play that's the only thing that, that i'm thoroughly not on board with ubisoft's you play is it's it's a pretty messy it's gotten better in recent years but it's still a, a pretty messy system and integration and everything yeah, it's just when things try to make me mandatorily sign up for shit, I'm, I'm fully off the uh, off the bandwagon with that. Uh, yeah, we we just don't want to subscribe to more things. We we're all subscribed to so many things in our lives already. Like PlayStation Now, they just need to wrap that into PlayStation Plus. Just give yeah, me a do. tiered system with PlayStation Plus so that I have a single subscription if I want them both. And not have fourteen thousand subscriptions just yeah, for PlayStation. Yeah, and much more people would sign up for that as well if they offered a tiered plan. Yeah, this is now transformed into a feature-length cross-play podcast episode. <laughs> I think we need to wrap this up. Yeah, Jesus, yeah, let's, uh, I didn't realize. We're, we're, we're going to call this one now. I think uh, Cameron had to bail out, uh, so he's yeah. not going to be saying bye. Cameron, here, but... Cameron pressed the ejector seat in his office chair, just I'm shot here. out of the window when we got to bye. one minute ten. Oh, he's here. Just oh, there to we say go. Bye, <laughs> All right, thanks, thanks for listening. Uh, if you guys have any questions, uh, subjects you want us to talk about, unpopular opinions, and hot takes. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if you just want us to uh, make fun of your terrible takes and comments, uh, throw them Go in the comments. Go validate your own opinions by agreeing with you wholeheartedly. <laughs> <laughs> 
there we go. That's crossplay for this week. Uh, follow us uh, on PlayStationLifestyle.net and GameRevolution.com. Mm-hmm. Have a great week. Goodbye. Bye.